This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today, 952-946-6205, Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, Brianna Bierschbach from the Star Tribune is going to join us and talk about, we got a weird, weird story. <laughs> we got a weird story, in, uh, in, uh, including concerning the legal marijuana now uh, party in Minnesota and, and spoiler alert for the folks in Chicago, we legalized marijuana last year. So I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but we will talk, chat with her coming up here uh, in a little bit. Patrick, how are we today? Uh, not doing too bad. Nondescript weekend. Uh, I saw you got out to the ice sculptures. Well, as best as we can. I'll talk about that more coming up in the four o'clock hour, but yeah, no, as best as we can with that. I did. Did you watch any of the, the, okay. Super Bowl is going to be the, the, uh, 49ers versus the chiefs. Did you watch any of the games yesterday? I watched them both. Uh, the most impressive thing I saw yesterday was the San Francisco 49ers. They did what the, the, the Detroit lions usually do. And that is they punch them in the face. And that's not a team that usually does that, but that it, they played to what they were known for. And it basically, even though Detroit was up by 17 at the half, you know, it was, it was only, you could kind of tell that th- that game was not done. And, you know, I mean, it, you know, if you're a Bears fan or if you're a Vikings fan, you know that the, the Lions were kind of a punch you in the face kind of team. And when they kind of got started getting punched in the face, and it was early in the second half, one of the guys started complaining to the ref. I said they got him, and the things turned pretty quick on them at that point. I was actually a little surprised because the 49ers obviously being as good a team as they are, they're not a team that falls behind like that. They're a team that they get a lead, they ground you down, they unleash their pass rush on you, and yep. you're done. And I kind of thought, I wasn't sure that they would be able to come back because they're not a team that comes back like that a lot of the time. But they not only did it, but they made it look pretty easy. <laughs> well, and I'll say this. Um, they t- they did beat two very good teams. I mean, the Packers ended up being a lot better than they th- I thought people thought they were, and the Lions ended up being a lot better than I think people thought they were. And so I honestly think, I think the two best teams are there. I, I do not think that the Chiefs are a fluke. But it... <laughs> I guess maybe I'll start with 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 the Chiefs, kind of, because it's a Taylor Swift story. And, of course, uh, Travis Kelsey and her, who, by the way, can I just say, Patrick, they're adorable. They are adorable. The fact that she's like the cheerleader running out to the, the player on the field at the end of the game, you got to be kidding me, man. It, it's a it's a pure Americana, or as you know, Republicans say, a sign of the times of, that we're all in a demonic pit. You know, yeah, because you know, love. Uh, 
the 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 Republicans, I I don't know why they are so anti Taylor Swift, but it's it's delicious to watch because you know all they're doing is they are alienating an entire generation of voters against the Republican Party for this. But in case you missed it, there was a story that this weekend kind of came to a a head and I'm going to reference something here and by all means do not, you know, don't go, don't go look for this. Um, I noticed last week that as a matter of fact, pretty much right after I think was the, the chiefs beat the Buffalo bills. There all of a sudden showed up on social media some really offensive pictures that were clearly AI generated pictures of Taylor Swift that I, you know, it's, it's, it's really is gruesome kind of content, but this is what the Republican party has, has gotten down to. This is the same people that honestly think that, uh, that, yeah, I guess that Trump is actually JFK jr. Wearing a mask or something. I don't know, but this is who they are. And, it does not surprise me. And of course, Twitter played a major role and suddenly these images being left out there. Now, we, I, Patrick, you, we don't know one of the elements of this whole thing. We do not. And that element is is plainly what happened on Thursday of last week because something changed dramatically starting on Friday. Uh, Twitter blocked searches for Taylor Swift after sexually explicit AI-generated images of the singer circulated on the social media platform. This is an executive has said this on Sunday. It's not immediately known whether Twitter has taken such blocking action before, but the platform formerly known as Twitter, and still is known as Twitter, has been criticized for its content moderation policies since Elon Musk took over and decided to kill the company. Um... CEO Linda Yaccarino uh, said uh, that Twitter embraces an approach called freedom of speech, but reach, uh, not reach, meaning that it's zero tolerance for illegal content, but won't ban posts that are lawful and awful, but awful. Uh, so basically, if it's something that can get them in trouble, uh, like, say, an individual and uh, a, who has the money to get the best lawyers on the planet to take down your platform, which she could. For this, they suddenly have a very different um, set of standards. White House press secretary called the fake images on Friday alarming. After some were viewed millions of times, she urged social media companies to act against the spread of misinformation and non-consensual Im- intimate imagery of real people. Searches for Swift were still returning the message, something went wrong, try reloading as of this morning. Swift's, uh, using Swift's full name, unquote, I'm, well, I'm not going to, you know, there are some ways around it, but I don't know if it's, they basically, it sounds like um, it's a, a temporary action done in the abundance of caution as we prioritize safety on the issue, said the head of business operations at Twitter. Um, they did not respond to Axios's request for comment. Uh, this is the post that they made up on Twitter. 
Posting non-consensual nudity images is strictly prohibited on X, and we have zero tolerance policy towards such content. Our teams are actively removing all identified images and taking appropriate actions against the accounts responsible for posting them. We're closely monitoring the situation to ensure that any further violations are immediately addressed and the content is removed. We're committed to maintaining safe and respectful environment for all users. Now, that last line, holy God. This is Elon Musk's Twitter. Bull crud. How about I say it like that? On behalf of everyone, you're committed to maintaining a safe and respectful environment for all users. I, I, I can show you. I can show you a ton of posts right now that that point out that that is actually a laughable statement. It's funny. I, I it was in having a conversation with someone about the social media pages. And by the way, if, since I'm going to dive into it, yeah, you can find me at, at Matt McNeil Show on Twitter. I don't post as much there. If you want to get the, the real up-to-date post, you want to go to the other four social media sites, Facebook, which is Progressive Citizen X, Matt McNeil Show, Blue Sky, Matt McNeil Show, uh, Mastodon, which is Matt McNeil Show, and Threads, which is taking off because apparently... So many people have left Twitter who are Taylor Swift fans and headed to threads. And I'm actually, I saw what about a 40 follower increase just yesterday alone. So threads as well, Matt McNeil show. You can find me and all those places. Bon appetit. The amount of people I have to block on social media. Basically I've blocked four people this morning on Twitter because of just disturbing things that they'd sent me. But I, I, I've, I had to, in the last two weeks, I had one person, and I'm actually going to get to this in a different story, one person on Facebook I had to block, and that's it. I haven't had to block anyone on Blue Sky or Mastodon or, or uh, Threads, and outside of the one person I had to block, on and I, and and I have in the recent history, I'd say like last two or three months, there have been these bots on uh, Facebook, particularly they're trying to get you to contact us with your sign-in information. We're the Facebook legal team. We found your 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 page has violated our terms. We're shutting it down permanently unless you get in contact with us with it right away. But it's clearly a it's it's clearly a phishing scheme. So, I mean, I've had a few of those, but I haven't had those lately. I think Facebook is cracking down on those pretty good now. But Twitter itself is just a cesspool. I mean, it's an absolute freaking cesspool with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It really is horrible. And as much as they like to say that we don't tolerate uh, content where it's, you know, the non-consensual nudity, there's tons of that out there. There's tons of that out there. And, you know, there's, and there's, there's revenge porn and stuff like this. And I mean, I'm not necessarily, and I've, and I've said this before, this, this new, you know, way of making money, the at-home modeling industry, I, I don't have a problem with it. If you're comfortable with it, you're not being forced into it. It's something you want to do more power to you. I could care less. You know, it's not, I'm not going to necessarily give you any money, but you know, it's, it's a free country. It's your legal, it's legal to do knock yourself out, but it's the people that are posting the other stuff, which is the real trouble. And so the question I have is, well, I'm going to just say this without a doubt in my mind, without a doubt in my mind, 
the folks at Twitter got a fairly sternly worded memo on Thursday or Friday of last week, which basically said, you're you're propagating this. Because I can tell you right now, Twitter does not want to get into a civil case in a courtroom having to defend that stuff being out there or have to explain their insanely inconsistent standards as far as what is acceptable and what is not. So this, I mean, what you got to remember, this is Elon Musk. This is the guy who's like, I'm going to let everything stand. You know, it's the, the guy that can't build a truck to save himself. You know, basically, is, 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 you know, this is him basically conceding. I mean, th- for him to do what he's doing, to literally take down the most popular celebrity on the planet and not allow you to search her on their site it, it has to be a legal threat that they know they're going to lose because this is one thing that, that, you know, she can afford the best lawyers and trust me, a lot of people want to take Elon Musk down a notch. So this whole thing just screams at, you know, a five alarm fire sometime on Thursday night, Friday morning at Twitter, basically everyone <laughs> scrambling saying, Oh, my god and will they actually shut down these sites that that created it because i can tell you what they know exactly who was the first person on their site to post these they know exactly who that person is well will they actually go out there and shut them down we'll have to find out but i'm not going to hold my breath because the reality is is it's twitter it's elon musk and i think he's basically doing this just to hope that she basically calls off her lawyers Go get him, Taylor. I'm with Tay-Tay. We'll be back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt Patrick here, 952-946-6205. Mary is calling from beautiful Hopkins, Minnesota, wants to chime in today. Hey, Mary, how are we today? Good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing very well. Good. This is my second call to you, so bear with me. Okay. Um, I, I love your show. Um, I've noticed in the last four years, um, especially lately in the last year, the ramping up of genuine hate for women um, oh, yeah. in, in chat rooms and um, especially, well, on radio shows. And I think they've had that market sealed up since Rush Limbaugh, you know, talked about feminazis and that kind of thing. And then they've just taken it to a different level now. And um, I never really thought I would ever see that. And it's, it's really horrifying. Um, I have a child with special needs. He has Down syndrome. And I think that they would go there, too. I think that they would start to do the Nazi stuff where, you know, they're not good enough either. Because, well, they're re- not really a threat as much as women, though. Well, and, the and, and they claim to be Christian at the same time, too, Mary. Oh, we know now that that isn't true at all. Exactly. You know, there might be some people that are good, but it's dwindling. Well, I, you know, Mary, it's, it's interesting you bring this up because, and thank you, Mary, I appreciate the phone call and call back anytime you like in beautiful Hopkins, Minnesota, out on the west side of the cities. Um, I, I went through this, if you had not heard the show I did um, on, on Friday in the, the three o'clock hour central time. I basically did a deep dive into how exactly we've got here. And the, the, great, the, the great truth that we need to come to grips with 
that this isn't a small percentage of the country that is this Trump element. It is, you know, 25, 30 percent of the country. And then about you know, the 10 to 15 percent who are just whipped Republicans that don't have a freaking spine and go along with the ugliness. You talked about the Down syndrome. We already had Donald Trump mocking a disabled man during the 2016 election, and they all voted for him twice. The Christians. Yeah, please. You're about as, as Christian as, as you know, <laughs> you're not Christian. How about I just say it like that? You're just not Christian. You're just not. You're just not. And when you bring up the, the, the point about the, the unbridled misogyny, I, I don't know if you, we were talking about this, and, and in Minnesota right now, there's uh, Amy Klobuchar is going to be up for election. To my knowledge, Patrick, have you heard of, have the Republicans announced any candidate against Amy Klobuchar? No, not, not that I can think of. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where I, I was a little concerned, you know, you know about whether they might try to go get someone to run. One of the names that you hear, and I'm, I know, I, I'm by no means am I an insider like this. I was speculating that Michelle Tafoya, the former sideline reporter for for uh, NBC Sports, um, uh, in in you know the Michelle Tafoya, who is a Republican, and helped out a campaign in 2022. I can't remember that much about that, but I was saying I was wondering if she, she was co- trying to get some you know, you know, water under her, her feet to try to get, see if she could swim in the, the big pool with, with Klobuchar. And the, the first thing I said is this, is that, you know, regardless of whether or not Klobuchar is the candidate or, you know, Michelle Tafoya was the candidate or not for the Senate seat, I don't think the modern Republican Party in the state of Minnesota would nominate her in a primary process to go up against Amy Klobuchar. Because there is a misogyny level in that party, which is exactly what Nikki Haley's running up against. In 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 2022, the best candidate from the Republican Party was a female senator who was running. She had no chance. She got annihilated. And so there is this misogyny. And I think it ramped up to an nth degree in the post-Me Too movement because Let's face it, there is a tremendous amount of the Republican Party that responds to things like they're the jilted boyfriend. If you're not going to love me the way I want you to love me, I'm going to make you love me. That sort of thing. And when people started saying, dude, it's not cool that you basically send me pictures of your junk in the DMs, they basically said, well, I'm going to send you more. And now... Hey, let's go back to what we were saying with Taylor Swift. Now they're basically just outright making it, using AI to create fake porn against her just to belittle and demean her. And probably the fact is that that's something that attracts them. Let's just be honest about it. Yeah, they're twisted, Matt. They are some twisted freaks. <laughs> hey, I'm a freak, but I admit it, man. I'm all, yeah, I'll get guilty as charged. I'm not sitting there trying to say, I'm the most moral higher fiber person. No, you're not. It is, it, it is, it's hard to see this as part of where this country is at. It's, it's incredibly hard, I think, to see the amount of women who eagerly go along with this. And I, to a point, I will say this, I think the overturning of Roe v. Wade 
really did wake up a lot of women that the the Republican white male establishment is not on their side. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why in states like Montana and in Kansas, abortion initiatives failed because, you know, the, the you know, even the moderate Republican women basically like, OK, no. But there is this undeniable misogyny that's in that party right now. And there's an undeniable level of racism. There's an undeniable uh, denial level of anti-Semitism. There is this, we're the poor white men and we're persecuted. Shut up, you arrogant twit balls. My God. <laughs> Copyright twit balls, man. You guys are, man. You guys sit there and you bellow and you ache and you complain and you act like we're the victims. Not because you're victims, but because we're calling you out on your bullcrap. How about that? Your, your, the fakeness that is you. And you're, and you're, you are, like I said, like the, 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 the distraught stalker ex-boyfriend who's like, well, one way or the other, you're going to love me. And isn't this, by the way, kind of a whole thing with the Republican Party right now? You don't believe Trump's the greatest thing that ever happened. Well, we're going to make you love him. Isn't that, I mean, am I way off base here? Not at all, man. Not in the least bit. And you have, frankly... Like I said, 15, 20% of the, the country, yeah, 15% of the country who basically go along with this insanity because they've been brainwashed into, that, that if they don't vote Republican, that somehow the Democrats win. Now, this, this, is, this is the great challenge that's meeting us right now. What kind of people do we want to be? What kind, of, what kind of country do we want to be? Today, Donald Trump and his inside crew basically made the, the argument that if they get the chance, they're going to basically make it to where you, if you become the president of the United States, you can never be held accountable. That that is a get-out-of-jail-free card so you could murder somebody in the street. And they'll say, you know what? I don't, I can't, he can do that because he's the president of the United States. And I'm of, of, of one person, I'm not a person that I don't want even Democrats to have that kind of level of power or, you know, or, or you, know, you know, Democrats or Republicans. I just don't. I want them to be kind of, I don't know, a democracy for God's sake. So we got a fight ahead of us. More on that in a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Hello. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and in the afternoon and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, as I like to call the mothership, because let's face it, I'm one big mother. It's the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, Let me get back to, you know, I remember I was telling you earlier about I had to block somebody. I had to block somebody. Um, one of the things I find to be remarkable about this modern culture is the way it in it infuriates republicans i'm a veteran i know at one point i was the front line of defense <laughs> reporting his <is> duty sir 
Um, no, I was U.S. Army uh, and third uh, to fifth field artillery back when they were there. I joined Armed Forces Radio Network in Nuremberg, Germany. I started my radio career there. And yeah, I have I proudly served U.S. Army. I'm a big fan of the U.S. Army. The when when I when my oldest daughter was born, she was born in two thousand and four. It was September two thousand four. I was in the hospital parking lot, and I had a bumper sticker on my car: "Veterans for John Kerry." And you know it, and I'm just you know obviously my my daughter has just been born. Uh, I mean, my mind is is hectic as I'm walking through the hospital parking lot. A woman, a, just out of the blue, comes up to me and screams, "You hate the troops!" What? You hate the troops? Um, wh- what are you talking about? And she points to the bumper sticker and said, hey, you idiot, I am a troop. You hate the troops. Remember all that? You remember the yellow ribbon stuff that we're the only ones who care about the military. (laughs) We're the only ones. Remember that lie? And by the way, quick side note, if I may, I have been incredibly disappointed in by far the Republicans because they have no intention of helping out the veterans, but even most Democrats do not do what they need to do to help out the veterans and what they have done, the sacrifice that they have put out there. And I am one person, I've said this, I don't care which political party you're for, from, I will support you if you agree to the following four things to help the, the veterans. Number one, no runarounds any, at any point on any of the money that they are due. Absolutely none of it. Any of their benefits, any of their compensation, uh, any of the education benefits, nothing. They get it. That's done. You you err on the side of caution. You do that there. If, God forbid, we have someone who has made the greatest sacrifice for this country, their family, same story. No hurdles, no speed bumps, nothing. Make sure they get what they deserve. Number two, that veterans go to any medical facility in this country. We could easily make that happen. Easily make that happen. Make it a requirement of being a licensed hospital in this country that you have to, without complaining, without anything, see military personnel. From the most high-end skin clinic down to the most crowded emergency room. Absolutely. A, vet, a veteran can walk into any military facility and get seen without any hassle or complaint. Number three, for when it comes to public colleges, veterans get in for free. Period. Very, I mean, fine, they can pay for their books and stuff like that. But tuition, room and board, they've earned it. Thank you, veterans. Let them get that college degree. And then fourth, quality care for when you are looking to get a new job. So job placement, you know, helping them find a career. If they don't want to go to college, you want to get them in the trades, they need just some help getting a job, whatever the case. Give them the support and the care that they deserve to make sure they can get back out into the civilian economy and help them out. You're willing to do all four of those things. And by the way, if I can go back to the hospital one, that includes all mental health services, period. That includes all mental health services, period. You do those four things. 
take care, make sure they get all their benefits. They can walk into any medical facility and get treatment. They get free college at public universities. They get job placement for life. You do those four things, I'll support you. Because you know what that is? That's supporting the troops. That is supporting the troops. And I'm tired of window dressing and words and the, the crap that the W administration did back then. That was actually one of the reasons why I became a much more of a Democrat. I used to vote Republican occasionally. I'm much more of a Democrat now. Why? You do not send troops into harm's way under false pretenses, and that sure as hell is what Dick Cheney and George W. did in the, the Gulf War. Absolutely. And it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten worse. Here I am today. I would say... I, it's not as bad as it was maybe say 2015, 2015, 2016. It was, it was really bad. It's, it's a little bit better today, but not much. At least once every four to six months now, I will get someone who will say to me, you didn't serve. P- pardon me. <laughs> I'm a disabled veteran too. Technically I'm a disabled veteran. I served. No, you didn't. You couldn't have. You're a liberal. You're progressive. No, I, I served. I know a lot of people, by the way, in the military and people who are out of the military who are voting Democrat, by the way, just FYI. That is not a, you know, something that was overwhelming in any capacity one way or the other. But they will not let up. And I have gotten four or maybe five times I've gotten to the point where I've challenged someone with a th- put you put your money where your mouth is a thousand dollars I will prove um that I I served in the military and if I do then basically you give a thousand dollars to a charity I choose and of course at that point either they well I I just was saying those questions I, I never questioned your military experience which they did or they basically disappear you know what they never do know what they never do I'm sorry I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Nope, not once. Tells you everything you need to know about the Republicans right there. Tells you everything you need to know about them. But when you look at it today, one of the reasons why it doesn't happen as much today is because the modern Republican has changed so dramatically in this 20 years that they now... They're, they don't swear allegiance to the country by any means. Most Republicans couldn't care about America and democracy. They couldn't. They only care about Trump because Trump's their true God. And like I said, I broke this down. If you listen to the Friday show, that three o'clock hour, I broke this down extensively, how we got to this point and how large this group of people is. You've gone from, in 2004, You're not supporting the troops hard enough, which once again, that was always a lie anyway. But now it's a, you're not a troop. And unless you back up Donald Trump, your troops there, you're not even worth it. Take a look. Take a look at what they're trying to do down in freaking Texas right now. Both the South Dakota governor and the Oklahoma governor this weekend basically said, if it comes down to it, the state forces of Texas should open fire on the federal government on the U.S. military, if it comes down to it. Don't let the Supreme Court take away your rights. Make them, you know, you do what you need to do. 
Think about this for a second. You've got the governor of South Dakota and the governor of Oklahoma. And sure, if this ever did happen, those two clown cars would immediately be like, well, just because I was saying I hope someone opens fire on the U.S. troops, what makes you think I would open fun to people to open fire on the U.S. troops? <laughs> and they might not have said it so verbatimly, but they're sure as heck implying it that you basically, you take control and you do what you need to do. Think about that. We, we are at a point where the troops, because they dare not basically enforce military rules as Donald Trump has ordered them to, they should be shot upon if they try to stop you from doing that. My God. Support the troops, my caboose. They don't support the troops. The woman that I blocked basically I, I blocked her because I, there is this new thread from the right and I've seen it more on the Twitter side but this one was on Facebook and it was a woman who took offense to the fact that I called Ashley Babbitt a traitor reminder who exactly Ashley Babbitt is Ashley Babbitt was one of those delusional, deranged Trump supporters who decided that we're going to just, I guess, since Donald Trump didn't win the election fair and square, we'll just overthrow the government. And as a matter of fact, there was, a, there was, a, there was an interview. I was watching this on CBS News this morning. Uh, there was an interview. Apparently, the, the, the Secret Service actually did inquire in with Trump about his threats to have the vice president hung. Like I said, there are things which I will, which I, I think that history will never forget. And the sitting president basically encouraging a mob to hang Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, that's not one that's going away anytime soon. That is, that's not one that's going away, nor are the pictures of the gallows or anything like that. Nope, that one's going to, that one's going to stick in the history books. Ashley Babbitt was part of the mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol. She was the idiot that was trying to break into the speaker's um, area of the house and busted through a window. She and the mob busted through a window. She ignored direct orders because, once again, they were still trying to get the U.S. House members. And God forbid, can you imagine what that mob would have done to any House or Senate member. Josh Hawley was running for his life for a reason. He knew he unleashed hell. And if they would have gotten him, they would have hung him. Let alone any Democrat. They clearly would have murdered any Democrat they got their hands on. But they were trying to evacuate the U.S. House. She's basically threatening to come through the window. There, He said that the guard says, no, I will drop you. She basically says, I'm coming through. And boom. Now, I have said this. I was the U.S. Army. I was on guard duty. And if I was on a guard duty and I had a situation like that and the same kind of situation, 100%. That is what you do. That is called protecting freedom, protecting America. And I'm very, I'm very knowledgeable that the, the people that were being evacuated were not just people I supported. They were Republicans who were being evacuated, who I deeply disagree with on a political level. At the same time, they're sitting congressmen. And if I was on a guard post and they're coming through the door and I was like, I got to keep these guys back some way, one way or the other, I'm putting one down. And so long, traitor to America, Ashley Babbitt, burning hell.
That's from the U.S. Army. God, makes me mad. So this woman comes up after I posted about this, and she said, she wasn't armed. She was just trying to, she was just trying to deliver her list of grievances. What are you trying to do? Come on. The same party that 20 years ago was the party of support the troops is now if the troops dare fire on someone who we think is trying to push Trump's point of view, well, they're evil. That is how far the Republican Party has fallen. They don't, there is no loyalty to the United States of America. <laughs> Please, there is none. They are only loyal to Donald Trump. And they sit there and they wave their flags. That flag means nothing to them anymore. That means nothing to them. We are in a fight for this country's life right now. We are. And I am incredibly concerned of what's going to happen come August or September when what I think is going to happen happens, where Joe Biden is clearly the front runner and Donald Trump is looking worse and worse and worse. Will one of his deranged nutbag followers come on out there and try to take out Joe Biden? I'm terrified of that. But that's kind of where these people are because they don't care about America. They only care about Donald Trump. And we have one chance because he's not running again after this. I guarantee you he'll be, there's a decent chance he'll be in jail after this. We got one chance to fix this. And that is basically get everyone out to vote. I understand not everyone's happiest with Joe Biden. That's fine. But my God, it's democracy and freedom on the line here, people. Let's make sure we uh, put in a little A for effort. How about that? It's the Matt McNeil Show. Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you, Chicago. Good to be with you, MSP. It is Matt. 952-946-6205. Two funny ones for you. How about this? Well, funny, but terrifying funny. Well, the first one's actually just funny. Mike Johnson, the new speaker. Oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. Uh, He's overseeing one of the smallest majorities in the history of Congress as it confronts upcoming battles over government funding and contentious fights over immigration and impeachment. Republicans control just 219 seats. Democrats have 213. After Ohio GOP Representative Bill Johnson resigned from Congress early this month to take a job as president of Youngstown State University, the razor-thin majority creates an enormous challenge for the speaker, leaving him with almost no room to error as he navigates demands from competing wings of his party. There's currently three vacancies in the House following Johnson's departure. Former Speaker McCarthy's resignation... And, of course, uh, George Santos, uh, who's once again headed for that volleyball court. Go Paris! Uh, The Olympics, that's right. Uh, Democratic Representative Brian Higgins of New York has also announced plans to leave Congress. He'll be stepping down on February 2nd. The special election to fill the seat previously held by Santos will take place on February 13th. The race is expected to be competitive as a potential pickup opportunity for the D's. In addition to the tight margin, there's always a possibility that absences could further impact the vote. Majority Leader Steve Scalise's office has said he will work remotely until returning to Washington in February as he recovers from a stem cell transplant. Republican Representative Hal Rogers of Kentucky was hospitalized following a car accident earlier this month. His office subsequently announced he had progressed to physical rehabilitation to assist, assist his recovery. The tight margin means that 
any involuntary and individual member has the potential to exert outsized influence and Johnson has frequently felt pressure from his right flank. The reality is this, he can't bring a bill forward at all because the Democrats and one or two Republicans could vote it down. And there are enough Republican votes right now to where the, 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 they, it's an election year. If you are in a plus D district, you do not want to be the tie-breaking vote on something that basically is something your district is against. And I believe in, isn't it even in Pennsylvania, there's a Republican representative district, which is a very pro-Ukrainian district. And so he's having to explain why they're not, you know, you know, the government is no longer helping out Ukraine at the insistence of the Republicans. And that's not going well for him. Uh, basically, it's it's down to one or two votes. <laughs> it's if that's what he's got. And once again, it's it's at what point here? And this is the one thing I'm not sure of. Does there come a point where, if technically, say, God forbid, some you know a few Republicans are sick or unable to attend, and every Democrat shows up, could they call for a new House Speaker and? basically install a Democrat as the Speaker of the House. It depends. I it, it's, it's, it's delicious. Watching the Republicans will, they cannot bring any bills forward because the reality is, is that they've, they, this is for the time being, at least up until the end of their primaries, then they'll probably try to say, see, we worked with the other side. They'll bring up some token bill, but they know right now, any bill that comes up, it's the Democrats really have a lot are starting to have more power than they want them to have. So nine, five, two, nine, four, six, six, two, oh, five. Here is the one that is just, it's, 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 it's hilarious because the president of one American news is in big trouble. Is in, if this story is true, he's in huge trouble, but it also is somewhat terrifying because it, it, it's just, it basically exposes what's really going on with right-wing media. In the wake of the 2020 election, the president of the far-right network, One America News, sent a potentially explosive email to former Trump campaign lawyer Sidney Powell. So this is directly to a Trump campaign lawyer at the time with a spreadsheet claiming to contain the passwords of employees from the voting technology company Smartmatic, according to court filings. The existence of the spreadsheet was recently disclosed by Smartmatic, which is suing OAN for defamation. CNN pieced together who is involved in the email exchanges by examining court records from three separate cases stemming from the 2020 election. Lawyers for Smartmatic told the federal judge that the email and the attached spreadsheet, it appears OAN executives may have engaged in criminal activities because they appear to have violated state and federal laws regarding data privacy. And so here's where the president of the the company gets into really big trouble, is that if it's proven that it was indeed sent from their email, then basically the only argument you have is someone someone had access to your email, but it's going to have to be because they'll track down which computer it was sent from. So it's going to be someone at OAN is going to be in big trouble. I mean, they're not going to be able to say, yeah, it was uh, some guy that hacked us. No. The court records don't say how exactly OAN obtained the spreadsheet or whether the opposed Smartmatic passwords were authentic. Nobody from OAN has been charged with any crimes. But at the same time, when OAN, Paul, and others in the orbit were aggressively peddling false claims, there was a massive voter fraud in 2020 and that Smartmatic was to blame. According to court filings, 
The supposed passwords were shared around the same time that Powell, her associates, and other Trump supporters were trying to improperly access voting systems across the country to prove their false claims of voter fraud in January 8th of 2021. So just two days after the January 6th riots, email exchange between OAM President Charles Herring and Powell has recently emerged in a flashpoint on Smartmatic's defamation lawsuit against the pro-Trump network. The email isn't public, but Smartmatic revealed some of its contents in a public filing after obtaining the materials in a discovery process. While Smartmatic's public filings didn't identify the sender or recipient of the email, court records from a separate 2020-related lawsuit confirmed that Herring and Powell exchanged emails at the same time on the same date. The pair's uh, communications about the purported Smartmatic spreadsheets, which have not been publicly previously released, resurrect questions that have dogged OAN for years. If this is true, bluntly, I mean, this is if this is true, then you're going to be looking at not only is the president of OAN likely going to go to jail, or there's a – I shouldn't say that. The, the way our system, legal system, is, is set up, I, I don't know if that's, that's something that's an option. But I will say that that OAN might be off the air. This is going to be this could be in the trillion dollar range of penalty uh, against OAN. I mean, and especially if they were actively trying to sabotage Smartmatic, and you've got the you've got the dead to rights. It's it's terrifying because it's hard to imagine we are in a world where this is where we're at, where we have actual news, quote unquote, news networks openly working to overthrow the government of the United States. But at the same time, it's funny because this guy ain't going to get away from this. If any of this is true, he ain't getting away from this and he's going to be going to jail. Chicago, have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Minneapolis, St. Paul, hour two up next. Hour number two of the show on your Monday. Good to be with you today, Matt and Patrick. And it's my absolute privilege to welcome on one of the best journalists I've ever had the pleasure of reading their work or actually getting to chat with. Brianna Bierschbox is the political writer for the Star Tribune. She's kind enough today to join us to talk about a story which is kind of weird a little bit as you give us some details on this. Brianna, thank you very much. I appreciate the time as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, why don't you start off here? Who exactly is Crystal Gable? Crystal Gable is um, a woman who lives in Colorado, and she has worked in and around sort of the legal marijuana now party. She's kind of an advocate of third-party candidates. Um, she was involved in the legal marijuana now party in Nebraska for a few years in 2015 and 2016. And, and she's sort of been a part of the movement nationally, um, but she is, is not a Minnesota resident. She's someone who lives in uh, Colorado and is, has been more involved in other states. The that's I find that to be interesting. Is she, you know, Colorado, because I was just out in Colorado a, a little more than a year ago, and they they, they have dope everywhere. <laughs> so is this yeah. more, is is more of her? I mean, is her attention now focused on some sort of national candidate as opposed to statewide or even local races? No. So she is just living out in Colorado and has you know worked on third party races in the past but is now um, just kind of living her life, um, which is why she was surprised when she learned that <laughs> she had been placed um, as a legal marijuana now party candidate on Minnesota's March 5th presidential primary ballot. Um, that was a surprise to her. <laughs> she said she wasn't asked by local party officials 
to be a candidate on the ballot. And then she wasn't consulted um, either by the Secretary of State's office. Um, but we kind of have to remember that this is very much a party affair, even though now that it's a primary, the actual primary is run by local governments, the parties actually have to submit names for candidates. So despite her involvement in some other states in the legal marijuana now party, she was pretty shocked to find out that she had been placed on the ballot in Minnesota as a candidate for president. Is there any legal requirement by Steve Simon's office to verify that a candidate that's submitted by a political party actually wants to run for that political party? There is not. Okay. All it says in state law is that 63 days before an election, the three main political parties, which um, or however many there are in Minnesota right now, there are three. It's, of course, the DFL, the GOP, and the Legal Marijuana Now Party. They have to submit a list of candidates that they want to appear on the ballot. The Secretary of State's office is not given any contact information. They really ha- have to leave it up under law to the parties to validate those candidates and send them names of people who they know in theory want to run. I imagine for the DFL and the GOP, it's a little bit simpler, right? These are yeah. national political figures who are running national campaigns. But for parties that haven't been major parties for as long, like Legal Marijuana Now, um, I think we're running into this hiccup where they could possibly put a candidate on without them even really knowing it. Is And I'm not aware of what the, the deal is with the Legal Marijuana Now party. Is is there only one candidate? Is Crystal the only candidate on the can- the ballot, or are there other people running for their presidential nomination? They do have a handful of candidates, okay. um, and they're all kind of similar to Crystal in that they're national marijuana um, advocates. And another guy is from California, and another guy is sort of a national third-party advocate. So they put those names on, um, but it raises the question if those people knew that they were being placed on Minnesota's presidential (laughs) primary ballot as well. I did reach out to a few and haven't heard, um, but Crystal certainly was surprised and under state law really has no recourse to get off. She is encouraging people not to vote for her in the primary, um, you know, because it puts you in a situation where you'll get a certain number of delegates if you win in Minnesota that then go to national party conventions. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a mess if, if you don't really want to be involved the what is the story from the local party here on this how, how did how did they get crystal's name and why did they put it on the ballot yeah, I reached out to them and they said that Crystal, because of her activism in the party and other states, was in a leadership group on Facebook that they regularly discuss these kinds of things like races in different states. And they had, it sounds like, assumed because she was part of this group that she was ready to be a candidate for office and that it was their understanding that she was ready to be a candidate off for office. She has told me that she was actually removed from that Facebook group as of August of last year um, and that she had not been re- reached out to or asked to be a candidate. The and and I guess that that brings up an interesting you know question here. I, I'm I'm a little the legal marijuana group. It seems like they've had better luck with statewide issues and ballot initiatives. That that that, that you know the running a, a national ticket. I mean I've I know the Green Party's out there, Libertarians are out there, but I, you know has this been a, a a goal of them or is this something that's changed recently where they're you know they're they're basically putting more attention towards a national candidate. Well, it's a tricky situation for them because they have major party status in the state. And it is because, as you've mentioned, they have managed to get at least 5% of the vote in one statewide race in the most recent election. That's how you get major party status in Minnesota. So because they've had some success statewide here, it kind of forces them into the situation where they now 
in theory, have to participate in the presidential primary because all of the state's major parties under the law participate. So if they don't have candidates, obvious candidates who are running for president, I imagine it's a bit of a recruitment effort. Would you like to be on the ballot in Minnesota? Here are some national activists within our you know, party um, nationally or in different states. Would you like to be a candidate for president in Minnesota? Um, but one would think that they had uh, the consent or, or kind of a clear understanding with those candidates that, that they wanted to do that. I'm also going to not bury the lead. Uh, we now, I mean, obviously we have a ways to go and clearly we need to still get, you know, some some kinks worked out as far as the leadership of the legalizing of marijuana in the state of Minnesota. It's still a few years away, but mission accomplished. Yay, we won. Uh, well, not, you know, just in, in the sense of the of the issue, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the marijuana is legal in Minnesota. Is there something else that they're trying to do outside of a, a, a nationwide race? Or is it, when it comes to Minnesota, is there something that, that they feel is that we haven't addressed yet? Not necessarily. And that's something the Democratic Party has been pretty critical of them for. You know, they um, there was an issue a few years ago where we had several major party uh, marijuana. We had two, actually, marijuana parties that were major parties in Minnesota. One of them fell off the bat or fell off major party status in the last election, but they were cropping up in legislative races, and some accused those candidates of actually being plants from Republicans to siphon votes away from Democrats in key races. So Democrats have been making a lot of noise saying, you know, we're actually the party for uh, legalizing marijuana, and now they're saying, hey, look, we actually did it. So it's unclear sort of what their message is and where they go from here. I think that they're probably doing a bit of soul-searching, and we'll have to see. You know, they need mm-hmm. to recruit a candidate in this next statewide election that will get at least 5% of the vote in order to ma- maintain that major party status going forward. Well, and it, it, there was the one candidate who died, and then we found afterwards, it was like, oh, no, he was basically, you know, someone it, it attested that he wasn't really, he was being put up there to be a, a spoiler candidate. That was at least the story they were saying. It, it doesn't help their cause that they're a legitimate party that here you have at least at least one of their presidential candidates who has no idea because as, as, as her story is, once again, this was months ago. You'd think that someone would have said hey, who we're going to put on the, the, the ticket. It doesn't sound like it's there. There was a lack of people. There are other people there. This does not help their cause because it, this sounds like a mess. It does. And I and I think it makes them look disorganized, which certainly it seems it must be somewhat behind the scenes if people are saying that they didn't agree to this kind of thing. And this is a pretty big thing. You know, your name is on a ballot in the state. And even if you don't live here, you know, that's Googleable. You know, she she heard about it because she got a Google alert with her name <laughs> on it because people were writing about the presidential primary. That's how she found out she was a candidate for president of the United States in Minnesota, a state she didn't live. So um, it, it's kind of jarring and it suggests a bit of uh, quite a bit of disorganization and maybe chaos within the, the party. Brianna Beerspock from the Star Tribune, kind enough to join us to talk about that. Uh, I'm presuming there might be an update on this, especially if you hear back from some of these other candidates, and they're like, yeah, I have no idea why I'm on that ballot either. Yeah, potentially. You know, it, it raises a question about the vetting that all the parties do, frankly, uh, for their candidates for office. So I'll, I'll keep checking in. But as for now, she's basically saying, realizing she can't probably get off the ballot anytime soon because they've been printed with her name on it and voting early voting is underway already in our presidential primary. Um, but she's saying, please don't vote for me either early or on March 5th when the primary is being held.
And that's I, I had a school board race a few years back, the same thing, where when the candidates, you know, decided at the last minute that he didn't want to run, he was already on the ballot, but he told people don't vote for me. I mean, that does happen. Do you think Secretary of State mm-hmm. Simon, if she does show up as a, a candidate again, will actually make that call and say, OK, let me let me dot I's and cross T's here? I think the challenge is that it actually needs to be more clear in law if they're worried about this in the future. Um, you know, but it's potential. It, it is possible that their office could, knowing what what has happened, say, have you at least follow up with the parties? Have you checked with all these candidates to be clear? But under state law, the way it's written now, it is really up to the parties to handle all of this. Uh, let's, if, if you don't mind me asking, because I'm, I'm, it is interesting. We are almost at the end of January of an election year. We have one statewide race, major statewide race going on with Amy Klobuchar. She's running for re-election as a senator. Um, she has not exactly brought out the strongest competition from the GOP in the year. She has actually been wildly popular, even with Republicans. She's actually had pretty good pr- approval numbers. I am still somewhat surprised, especially, I guess, in this day and age of politics where candidates start running two years before the election, that so far and there isn't a recognizable name for the GOP that has put their hat in the ring to run against Klobuchar. Am I, am I missing something here or is that kind of st- where they're still at right now? That is still the situation. There are a few kind of perennial candidates, um, but no sort of big name or, or even a name that is somewhat established uh, to run against her. And, and that's a little bit unusual, I think, in her last election cycle. She had a state legislator who announced, you know, the year prior that he was planning on running against her. You know, by th- this time, you know, in her previous race, there were a handful of folks who were challenging her that had some name recognition. The buzz is that by the end of the month, which is coming up here this week, there will be at least one candidate um, out there that either has some name recognition or at least is going to be a bit of a more serious candidate. So I imagine we'll all be staying tuned this week to see if that if that comes to fruition. But, you know, this is a challenge. It's a really difficult thing for any Republican to do. I mean, it's sort of a joke um, that the Republican who runs against Klobuchar is sort of a sacrificial lamb um, yeah. because they're probably going to lose. They're probably going to lose within the first few minutes, usually, of polls being closed. Um, You know, and the big question is, will Klobuchar, you know, after running for president and really raising her profile on the national level, will that change at all the way Minnesotans feel about her here? That's a big question mark. Um, But, you know, the, the... there's not a lot of people who are worried that she won't win handily in her re-election campaign. So well, any Republican who goes up for against her has to have that in the back of their mind. It was Newberger that was uh, six years ago, correct? It was Newberger was running against her, That's and correct. yeah, yeah, and we we actually had a running tabulation of how many minutes past eight o'clock would they call that race? I think it was actually in the commercial break before they came on back. They'd actually called the race. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quick, but Newberger he, he understood this. He ran. I don't mm-hmm. think he ever really visited outside of some fundraisers. He never did anything in the metro area at all. He was always outstate. If you're a Republican, you're looking at this, and you know I, I don't want to do a deep dive into the numbers in regards to, you look at Iowa, you look at New Hampshire, I mean, clearly Trump is not exactly resonating with all Republicans, and if it, and this is a state that voted for Joe Biden last time around. If you are, if you are looking at you know Trump not shoring up his support even with Republicans, and you don't have on the second biggest race in on the ticket anyone really of noteworthiness running against Amy Klobuchar, I, I got to imagine the Republican Party is concerned about the down ticket effect, especially with their desire to take back control of the U.S. or excuse me, the Minnesota House. 
Yeah, I mean, it is important to have someone up there, someone who, you know, at the very least doesn't go off message too much or someone who, you know, can can at least be a voice statewide in debates and, and represent the party. I think that's what they're really looking for, is someone who is a solid voice and a solid messenger for the party to, to sort of represent the party in that the only statewide contest that we have other than the presidential race this year. Um, so I, I think they're hoping for someone who, who can play that role, even if it seems unlikely that they're going to win. And it's, and it's becoming interesting because I know Tina Smith was always the senator that I think of the Republicans were, were eyeing as the one they could knock off. But Tina Smith as well has raised her profile fairly well uh, on certain issues. And she's gotten some you know positive press. So it's, it's becoming a situation where I, I think that they, you know, I don't know if sacrificial lambs are going to do it like a new burger. I think you're going to have to start getting some contenders out there. And yeah, that might mean a loss or a bad loss even. But as you just said, I mean, the impact down ticket is pretty substantial. And you you don't want to, especially if you only have, what, seven seats to pick up the, the Minnesota House, you don't want to necessarily, you know, you know, forsake that, especially in the suburbs. Yeah, definitely a, a strong candidate, or at least someone who will have the right message. As we saw in the last election, uh, the midterm election, you know, there was feeling that the message and the attacks on Scott Jensen hurt Dem- or Republicans all the way down the ballot and potentially cost them some statewide races. Uh, but it also just highlights the general challenge that Republicans have statewide in Minnesota. It's been many years since 2006 that they've won any statewide race. Um, you know, and it's it's almost becoming in cases like Amy Klobuchar and even in Tina Smith, as you mentioned, where it's, you know, these are races where they're struggling to find good candidates to run. Um, and the assumption isn't even that they're going to win. It's just that we want to have someone who won't mess it up. Yeah. And if your main topic, if your main issue uh, that you're going to, to go to, to, to battle with is flags, I'm not exactly. I mean, it, this is something you're going to need. They need to fix some things over there. That's if, you're, if they're going to have a, a challenge uh, against Klobuchar this upcoming race. Uh, Brianna Bierschbach from the Star Tribune. You can follow her writings over there. I highly encourage you to do so because I think she's actually one of the greatest journalists I've actually had the pleasure of reading. And she is someone that actually understands what journalism is. Brianna, I, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to have you back. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. It was great. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I'll repost the story a little bit later on on all the social medias. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Everybody knows that you talk, talk, talk. Saying I'm the one that you want, want, want. Boy, bring a AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Oh, nice to talk to Brianna Bierschbach. Absolutely. She's a fantastic writer. And, uh, yeah, she is great, and um, you know there there are a handful of of, of people that still get it. Uh, Susan Dew, I've had her on. Andy Mannix is exceptional. I've, pretty much the entire crew over at the Reformer. You know, it's it's yeah. Uh, there are some just great people that still understand what journalism is, and I appreciate that. I'm not, and, and if you, if you hear her on the, the show, I, I'm not here to get her to validate my political opinion. I just want the facts, and she gives them to me straightforward there. And it's uh, it, it is always nice to have her on the air. So uh, we'll spotlight that interview a little bit later on. Uh, Patrick, uh, what was your favorite ice sculpture or snow sculpture moment of the 2024 Winter Carnival? Because I guarantee you they're pretty much over at this point. Uh, All of the five minutes that we got to look at them. I was out there Saturday night as they were finishing them up. One or two of them looked really nice. I will say, you know what the best looking thing was? And I knew I wasn't going to come back out. And I just knew even if I did, it probably would be in trouble. 
the, the one of the snow sculptures. Have you ever seen the Veiled Lady sculpture over at the MIA in Minneapolis Institute of Art? Yes, I have. Oh, isn't that spectacular? Yeah. They had done a version of it in snow, and it was so pretty. I actually posted a picture of it up on the socials. You can go find that there. Um, yeah, it was it was unfortunate. It's this is crazy. This is freaking crazy. This weather. I mean, never in my lifetime. I had I, I so w- there's a guy named Andy who I he and I met when we were in birthing class for our first kids, my son, 22 plus years ago, and his son as well, who is I believe graduating from Northwestern this year. So congratulations to him. And a few years ago, and Andy's one of those guys, he's he's kind of a moderate. I think, you know, he kind of votes, sometimes votes Republican, sometimes votes Democrat. And and a few years back, I said to him, you know, he, or he asked, you don't really think that, you know, that this climate change stuff is that bad. I said, mark my words, sometime in my lifetime, we will have, actually, what I think I initially said was, sometime in my kid's lifetime, we will have a winter in Minnesota without snow. Sometime in my kid's lifetime. Heck, Okay, outside of what, five or six inches of snow, that snowfall we had in October, we had a little snowfall in November, had a little bit uh, around December or so. Outside of that, you know, it's, it's, I never thought we'd ever have a, I mean, it's, it's freaking late January. It's the coldest time of the year. What's, uh, let me, let me pull up the, the, Weather things. Pardon me while I shuffle through my briefs. Hey, here it is. Uh, 48 today, 39 uh, tomorrow, 45, 47. Um, oh, excuse me. Actually, they, they updated it. 49 was the high today. 39 tomorrow, 44, 47, 44, 46, 43. 41, 43, 44, 44, 42, 45, or excuse me, 35, 33, 34. We don't have an, even a day below freezing till mid-February. I, I I don't know what I don't know what it is. I mean, we were out on um on Saturday as well. I did the kite festival out at Harriet, which was a little concerning. But the ice, you could tell, was actually still pretty thick out there. And the ice, the art shanties were out there. That was good fun. Um, not the most wind, which was tough. But, and, you know, it's it's definitely, none of those pictures are going to definitely be uh, calendar images. It was so gray and dreary. It was nice to see some sun this morning in the Twin Cities. But, yeah, I, I this is really scary. And sure, it's easier. Well, I'm glad I'm not slipping. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not slipping either. I'm, I'm cool with that. I, yeah, it's one of the things about winter, which I'm not, not a big fan of sliding around in cars or trying to walk a dog in the morning when the roads are ice covered. But still, I, I've grown up in this. I'm 55 years old. For goodness sakes, we're supposed to have winter. We are not having winter. We are not, you know, Keokuk, Iowa, for God's sakes. Heck, I think even this would be mild for Keokuk. Is this St. Louis? Maybe even further south. It's dramatically going to affect the wildlife, nature. It's going to cripple any winter-based businesses. They're already they're already basically having to haul people off of 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 the lakes again because it's warming up too much. 
I mean, they're Yukon Cornelianists out there on, the, and, on these lakes, and we got to go haul him and Rudolph back to shore, for God's sakes. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared about where this is going because this is so freakily abnormal. I, I, I think we're going to have a year where just we're going to lose half the trees in the state because bugs and you know grubs and whatever eats them is basically going to just it, it's it's not getting killed off in the winters anymore it's going to annihilate half the forest of the in the state i just i i just we're not going to see i mean we already don't see really a lot of moose left in the state most of them have moved across into canada how many other species of animal are just no longer going to even live in minnesota because it's just too warm i've said this before my dad back in the in the late 40s, went to the University of Minnesota, and on, they had snowy owls that were nesting on campus in winter. Snowy owls. I've only seen one snowy or two snowy owls in, in the state. One that was lost that was out by the airport about 12, 15 years ago. I saw that one one day when I was driving down to the Minnesota Zoo. And then I was up on north, up uh, in, uh, on the back roads to uh, Esquagama, up on uh, the range over by Bawabic. And yeah. I said, there's, so that's a, that's a snowy owl sitting in the tree over there. Big, but it's, it is scary. Uh, it was nice to get on out. I cannot comprehend the Lopit can't be going on. I can't believe I, I did have, um, and a, a big thank you to Michael who did say, it's like, there's still a lot of things going on. Rondo night, kids and family night, the torture I played. They're doing a blood drive. Um, this is going to be coming up here on the second uh, from 10 until 4, that's going to help out. That's the, the day of good for the Winter Carnival. I did go on out. I did not get to see Klondike Kate. Klondike Kate, I still love you. I always do. Love Kate. Klondike Kate is one of my favorite things about the Winter Carnival. Did not see her, but I did buy my pack of, of buttons. Buy that, help them out, because obviously, you know, it, they're not, not many people are going to be going down to Rice Park or, or the, the state fairgrounds for the ice or the snow sculptures. Um, because they're just not going to exist. They're just, you know, kiddie pools of water at this point. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, I do want to uh, take a quick moment here and contend with the strongest level of authority um, that Tom Emmer was swatted in a 911 call. What are you guys doing, you freaking idiots? Stop it. Um, and, and this is, <clears throat> pardon me a second, and, and this is a post uh, that came down um over the weekend here that he is amongst other people over the last few weeks been targeted here in this, in the swatting. Um, he said he, he made the statement with uh, he swatted with a fake nine one one call, a uh, fake nine one one call brought police and officers to his address on Saturday night. These swatting incidents often involved reports of serious crime meant to result in an armed law enforcement response. Sadly, this illegal and dangerous scheme is being used nationwide to target elected officials. I condemn this illegal abuse of police resources. He continued, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's it's a scare tactic. Well, by the way, first of all, let's not mix words here in regards to what these people are trying to take advantage of. 
police officer units where the mentality is to shoot first, ask questions later, which do exist on a shocking amount of levels, primarily though, in predominantly African-American communities. But at the same time, they do exist out there. And they're, they're trying to hope that they get a police department that is going to go in, guns drawn, firing rounds, and killing somebody. That is the, the concept, which... That takes a that's that's I'm not going to go necessarily into that deep dive. I've talked about it multiple times. That's something that we shouldn't just you know you know you know wipe away with a hand gesture. That, that that the fact that that's it's so prevalent that this is what they're trying to take advantage of is something we probably need to address. That being said, though, stop it. I mean, it's like when I saw those two freaking clowns go over there and start spraying soup over the Mona Lisa. What are you doing? You know, just you know you know no, no one is on your side. No one is on your side, and I get it. That's different. There, there. It's we're trying to protest climate change by apparently throwing, you know, Campbell's chunky at at, at the Mona Lisa. Uh, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna get attention, but I don't think you're gonna get the support you think you're gonna get. This is different. This is an intimidation factor. This is a scare factor. I don't care who it is. Uh, Tom Emmer down to Ilhan Omar. If you are doing this, they should be arrested and they should be charged. Uh, with making false threats. And I think what we're going to see is a desire by both Republicans and Democrats to come together and and a, a stronger bill that allows people to track where these phone calls are coming from with a lot more speed and quickness, as well as also more harsher penalties for calls which are designed to get police officers' guns drawn when they come to the house. But Tom Emmer, on your side, you don't deserve this. I disagree with you politically pretty much across the board, but at the same time, this is going too far, and I condemn this in the harshest terms I possibly can. 952-946-6205. I need to make an apology for something. I allowed what is a major story to kind of go by the wayside. The fact that I was reminded of this story not that long ago, and I'm like, wait a minute here, that, that, that story came to fruition, I never heard anything about it, is, is a sign of how much the system is unfairly stacked against most of us compared to, say, the ultra-wealthy. Now... I last week we were talking about the dairy farm, or I guess maybe dairy operation is the better term. The dairy operation out in western Minnesota, I think it was in Stearns in Redwood County, that had stolen allegedly three million dollars from their employees. Uh, there were reports of physical abuse. Uh, they were storing these people in substandard housing and making them work extensive hours. It truly was ugly and funny. Neither the Sturds nor Redwood County you know, Attorney's Office seems to have any appetite to prosecute the people that were tormenting and causing this crime. And I made the point, and I stand by this point. If a black man in Stearns or Redwood County walked into a diner without a gun, not armed, but just went up to a diner, grabbed $10 off the counter and ran out the door, both of those counties would fall all over themselves to send out as many officers as it took to track this guy down, face down, knee in the back, 
get the cameras out here so we can take pictures to make an example of them. And the county attorneys would be filing every charge they possibly can because we need to set an example here. But it's someone stealing $3 million and physically abusing allegedly and allegedly physically abusing their, their employees and basically keeping them as a almost a slave labor fo- workforce. Now, that, that's perfectly okay. That's white people crime, Matt. I pointed that out. That and, until, and Stearns in Redwood County, you want to prove me wrong by all means. Please prove me wrong. File charges. File charges here. Because I don't think you guys are going to do it. Because I think there's tremendous pressure from you because, you know, come on, man. I, just, I don't necessarily agree with this either, but, you know, it's you really going to hold it against him? He's just trying to be rich. You know, that's kind of, that's, that's where it seems like it's going. I generally like to pay attention to stories. And, and so I was, when I was reminded of this story and the, about the massive level of injustice that we're about to read about, it is, um... It's hard because this just shows me I'm someone that pays attention to a lot of the news. I I really read a lot of news all the freaking time. And the fact that uh, this has gone the way it has, it just shows you how broken South Dakota is as a legal system. This has to do with Thomas Denny Sanford. Now, I did talk a little bit about this because the implications of this story were pretty damning. I'll get to that here in a second. New information in the investigation. This is a story, by the way, this is a story from May 31st of last year. I didn't know any of this until I, I just read this when someone sent this to me. It's like, why is, you know, the, the Republicans and the right get all upset about, you know, child pornography, child, you know, you know, you know, people, you know, abusing children sexually, you know, the, the trafficking of children, they get all upset about this. But why didn't they ever get upset at this? And that's, that, was, that was the t- context and the tone that the individual sent me this. Here is the story. I'm going to read this as it goes because this kind of uncovered, and I want to give uh, KELO a lot of credit here because they tried to report on this story. It tells you a lot that the national news media outside of Forbes, Forbes did cover this, basically allowed this story to just disappear. And that's inexcusable. New information in the investigation into South Dakota billionaire Thomas Denny Sanford for the alleged possession and distribution of child pornography is available with new documents obtained by KELO Land News. Kilo Land, I think they call it. The documents in question are in order to search a, a order to seal a search warrant affidavit and the now unsealed affidavit in support of the request for the aforementioned search warrant. Okay. They also, in this story, and I'll post this story out there, they basically include the documents. This is, by the way, also, can I make this? This was the most current story I could find on this. That this story, come May 31st of last year, this story just disappeared and it should not have. Sanford has not been charged in the investigation, which dates back to 2020. He was sparked by a 2019 tip from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children to the South Dakota Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. The AOL Oath Inc. user account noted by the tip 
contained images of child exploita- exploitation material and was traced by investigators back to an account used by Sanford and to a phone number for Premier Bank, which an employee confirmed was used by Sanford, who had founded the bank. All right. That would be Quincy Call evidence. Of course, South Dakota doesn't hold him accountable. We'll get to that in a second. Sanford's legal team, once headed by the now South Dakota Attorney General, Marty Jakely. Yeah, it really is this corrupt over there. Had filed documentation in January 2022 that says proves that Sanford's accounts were, quote unquote, hacked. We'll get to that in a second. In 2022, the South Dakota Attorney General's office, following the impeachment of then-Attorney General Ravensburg, issued a statement saying they had found no probable cause for criminal charges in the state in the course of their investigation into Sanford. I want to repeat that statement. Issued a statement saying they had found no probable cause for criminal charges in the state to the course of their investigation into Sanford. Let me ask you something. If you had an email account and a phone number that were trackable to you and they had found, oh, I don't know, child pornography on the email account and the phone that were tracked to you. Do you think that there would be anyone releasing a statement saying, well, again, we couldn't find any evidence connecting the two? Exactly. It sounds like the South Dakota went with the the argument, well, he was hacked and we couldn't really prove he wasn't, which is not the way they probably should have approached this. They should have probably approached this thing. Hey, there's all this evidence that seems to point towards you. And then let him try to explain himself in court. But yeah, the apples, oranges, that sort of thing. In the unsealed documents from May of last year, we learned the investigation into Sanford noted email activity from internet service providers in California, Arizona, and in South Dakota. It was noted by the investigator that Sanford owns homes in each of those states. La Jolla, California, Scottsdale, Arizona, and in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. All right. What a dink. Within the court documents, at least one of those houses, the one in California, garnered additional attention. It is revealed investigators recovered GPS metadata from the images of child exploitation material. At least one of these was mapped out by the investigator. This metadata indicates at least one image of child exploitation material was itself taken at the location listed in the GPS data. Okay, so they were able to track down where one of these child exploitation images was taken. The image itself was taken. Um, this is and this is this when mapped, the GPS location is identified as redacted. The address for Denny Sanford in California is identified as redacted in open source information and shipping addresses for redacted. So not a lot there, but they do have this location. While the addresses in the affidavit were redacted, uh, Kiloland News was able to track the address location through the GPS metadata provided and found it pinned to a home in La Jolla, California, in the La Jolla area. By searching the parcel number of the home and cross-referencing it with San Diego property tax records, we were able to find that the property is owned by ES Holdings, LLC. Okay. 
While a search for California entities with the names ES Holdings LLC turns up varied results, a search of registered entities in that name in South Dakota turns up just one. ES Holdings LLC, whose principal office is located at 1305 West 18th Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which, by the way, is the address for the Sanford Medical Center. The initial filing for ES Holdings LLC was made on 11-26-2012. It was filed at the request of uh, Linda Allers of Sanford Health. Hmm. While the presence of the property in California owned by ES Holdings LLC and company with the same name formed through the Sanford Health in South Dakota may not be enough to tie the two together, although I don't think you're really trying not to tie the two together at this point. One additional detail thus, a San Diego County record of deed for the property with parcel number 34609-00500, the same house owned by ES Holdings LLC, which owns the property was sold in December of 2012, roughly a month after ES Holdings LLC was formed in South Dakota. The buyer is listed as ES Holdings LLC. The seller is T. Denny Sanford. So basically, yeah, dear Lord, and they found nothing at all here in South Dakota. In an email statement in the following publication, Sanford's legal counsel, Stacy Heggie, H-E-G-G-E, reached out with the following statement. On May 25th, as Mr. Stanford's counsel, we were able, made aware that there were more documents related to the closed investigation. On May 25th and May 26th of 2023, the Minnehaha County Clerk of Courts then released those additional documents concerning the investigation that was closed over a year ago. These documents and the documents the clerk released last month concern some in the same investigation that the South Dakota Attorney General's Office terminated when it determined there was no prosecutable offense. When these documents contain the same preliminary allegations that initiated the investigation and acknowledge the hacking and spoofing the email address involved, the documents also show through the extensive investigation the South Dakota Attorney General's Office undertook prior to finding no offense. A lawsuit filed by the Argus leader and ProPublica sought to unsealing the search warrants in the case. And that's kind of where it ends. There are some stories about him basically being removed, T. Danny Sanford being removed from a billionaire's, you know, you know, fund for, for philanthropy. That came up later in the year. But there it is. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. There is one of these child porn images or child exploitation images was tracked through GPS data to a, to a house that has connections to Sanford Health and actually has a document with Sanford's name, although a sale in 2012, related to selling it to a company which is also has the same address as Sanford Medical Center. Now, I've watched Law & Order. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we need chunk chunks. I don't think we do here. Me personally, I think this is what we would call evidence. But what it sounds like is it sounds like the attorney general's office for South Dakota basically went to his legal team and said, hey, OK, what's the excuse? All right, we're going to go with that because I can't for the life of me look at this evidence. That was the last story on this, which once again, Kilo Land, nice job. That basically 
indeed does seem to connect T. Danny Sanford to at least the location where one of the child exploitation photos was taken on the phone. Once again, the same person whose email account and phone apparently had this images, which once again, his legal team said were hacked. Did they hack the address in California too? Just wondering. I don't know. But this would, you can have Christy Nome running around a hospital talking about what a great place it is. You couldn't pay me a billion freaking dollars to live in your godforsaken hellhole state of South Dakota. Not a billion. Although if I did have a billion, I'm pretty sure I'd never be held accountable for any crime in South Dakota. Am I right? <laughs> Note to yourself, no, I, I, I don't see any Republicans upset about this story at all. At all. At all. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show for a Monday when I do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, I want to give credit. I know we got to have Cooligan uh, in here tomorrow to talk things with the Minnesota Reformer. They've got a heck of a story out there, uh, which, which sometimes it's just a graph. Sometimes we'll just give you the insight that you need to understand about. Thank God I'm in Minnesota. The story from Eric Harris-Bernstein, who we've had on the air here, uh, who pays taxes is important, but so is what these taxes pay for. They have a graph in this story, and I'm going to post this a little bit later on. Um, the effective state and local tax rates by income percentile. All right, the you know, the income the 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 state and local tax rates. All right, in Minnesota, the bottom twenty percent pay about six percent, while the top eighty to ninety five percent pay a little less than ten percent. The top 96 to 99% pay a little less than 10%. And the top 1% of earners pay a little more than 10%. So you have a graph that says the bottom 20% don't get screwed when it comes to taxes, that the people that have the money to pay more taxes, they're paying more and our society is better. Ta-da! See how that works? They put this conjunction with Wisconsin and South Dakota. Wisconsin, the bottom 20% pay about, it looks like 11% of state and local tax rates. They, they basically pay a large portion of it. The tax rate, though, for the top 1% is just a little, about 6.5%, it looks like. So, once again, Wisconsin, if you're poor, screw you, you need to pay more. If you're wealthy, here. Here we got to make your life easier. It's far better than South Dakota. South Dakota, the bottom 20% pays nearly like, looks like 11 and a half percent. Meanwhile, the top 1%, they're paying a little more than 2%, maybe two and a half percent. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's not good. 
South Dakota, in reading from the article, South Dakota and Wisconsin's effective tax rates for lower-income households are similar to Minnesota's middle-income rates, but fall steeply at the top. This is a hallmark of the regressive tax code, and the same holds true for other low-tax states like Florida and Texas, that the, the burden falls on the poorest people, while the wealthiest people, they 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 look at you and say, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> For Minnesota, the ranking of most progressive tax code is an achievement several decades in the making, resulting from policies like a graduated income tax rate, as well as the number of credit and refund programs targeted at lower income households. Most recently, a new child tax credit and a surtax on investment income for the high earned earners, combined with corporate tax cuts in other states, vaulted Minnesota to the top spot. The ranking was lauded by economic fairness advocates, both here and across the country who praised Minnesota for reducing inequity by ensuring that rich paid a larger share of their income and taxes than the poor. Their right to celebrate a progressive tax code follows the egalitarian values of the Minnesota miracle. It helps those in need and asks more for those in the society who's benefited most. Those are all good things that Minnesota should be proud of. And it should be noted. I'm just going to call it out there. This the, the, the These 1%, they're not the job creators. They've just created jobs. That's just kind of what they do. Most of the money that they get when they get these massive handouts is generally for in the regards of, of basically just a massive handout. And they put it into the retirement funds. So their great, 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 grandkids never have to work a day of their life. And so, yeah, I'm I'm cool with this, man, because this is what freaking common sense looks like. Welcome to Minnesota. That's actually, can we put that on the state border? I'd like that. Uh, Native Roots Radio, that's up next. Have a good one. We are back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.